Hey there, RJ Metricians. This is the RJ Metrics Buddy Time Podcast. Each week we delve into the personal and professional lives of one of your coworkers. I'm your special guest host, Alex Kleger, filling in for the normal guys to uh, interview a real special guy on his own right, Xiao. His time at RJ Metrics is coming to a close, and I figured I wouldn't let him leave without really figuring out everything there is to know about him. Before we get started, huge shout out to Softball Diaries, the podcast hosted by me during the summer. Uh, Yeah, listen in if you really want to hear some really personal softball-related recaps. Uh, And anyway, let's get started. Are you are you recording? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. I, yes, I can hear you. Can you can you hear me? <laughs> Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. Don't look at your laptop during it. So All yeah, right. we have we haven't started yet. I just want to warm you up a little bit. Uh, How was your day? Oh, woke up at seven, went for a jog. Oh, maybe this is good stuff actually. <laughs> and then work from home until lunch. Um, met up with Michelle and then came back to the office. So pretty good, pretty good morning. And then the rest of the day just cranked through different meetings um, as we usually do. And uh, had an amazing time with the people here. So, yeah. Beautiful. Great to hear. Uh, yeah, so um, this is Alex Kleger in the studio uh, on the RJ Buddy Time podcast recording with... Uh, Let's see. Let's first question. How do you pronounce your name? Uh, I know it's kind of a lame place to start, kind of an obvious place to start, but uh, yeah. How do you how do you how do you pronounce it? Pretty good. It's really good first question. Um, I like how much thought you put into it. Uh, the the right way to pronounce it in Chinese it's xiao, but people tend to go anywhere from xiao to xiao to hei xiao, and you know what? I accept all of them. I know who they're talking to. It does get confusing when Sal sits beside me and they go, Hey, Sal. And they're like, what, what are they calling me or him? And we tend to just agree on whatever people are saying. Uh, so we'll both switch our heads when it happens. Yeah, I mean, I know you're not a picky guy, so it, it, I'm not going to like focus on it too much. Because I think I say Xiao, but sometimes I'll say Xiao. And sometimes I do, if, I'm, if I've am if i been sitting close to Sal, I will say Xiao. Just because he <laughs> says he says Xiao. Which uh, I know you're not you're not particular there when it comes. I know I, I Starbucks usually use uh, Bob, I believe. That's correct. That's yeah. correct. So most pizzerias, cafe places will tend to know me by Bob. Um, generally speaking, that's something that Americans can pronounce. So we tend to stick to that. Yeah, I feel like they know what's going on though. <laughs> you never know. I if I don't have a Bob face, then I'm, what would you recommend my name to be? Uh, well, I don't know. But actually, your name's not really Xiao, though, isn't it? Xiao San? Yeah, it's Xiao Xian. So, in Chinese, we'd say Xiao Xian. But then in, in English, it gets butchered into, you know, either Xiao Xian or Xiao Xian or something like that. Or people just don't know what to do with it. Xiao Xian Xiu? Yeah, I can't pronounce that. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, it's fine. All right, so, um, how, how do people describe you? How, how do you think people describe you? It's interesting. Um, how would you describe me? Uh, this is your interview. I knew that you were going to ask me some questions, but no, you can't well, ask me the second part, question. You're part of the people, so how would you describe And then I'll tell you what I think. People. All right, we're already having problems here. The, <laughs> the question is, how do people describe you? How do you think people describe you? 
the perception of me is probably um, generally tense. If you don't know me, you'll think that I am angry at you or upset at you when we first start working, but then it just comes off that that's my normal resting angry face or something like that. Mm -hmm. And my passion probably most of the time translates into um, anger, so people probably think I'm upset all the time, but honestly, I'm really optimistic all the time. It just comes off as upsetting. Yeah, yeah, I think that you describe yourself pretty accurately. So yeah, you've been my boss for uh, over two years, almost two and a half years, uh, and I think you're leaving at the end of this month, correct, March? That's correct. Sa and sad to see you go, but sad, uh, definitely have learned a lot from you, and I would say that uh, your description is pretty accurate. Uh, at first, I thought that you were basically a humorless robot, <laughs> and to be honest, uh, I, I think that you're just playing a part now, and you still are a humorless robot, but... I know that you really are a pretty optimistic, super nice guy, and you're right, that is just your your resting face, essentially. Yeah, and, and like you said, it's sometimes you don't know how to react, and your your natural face comes on just, just for what it is, and uh, it's, yeah, it just, it's just what it is. Definitely. So, you know, next, I really want you to take me way back. Uh, take me back to your childhood. Uh, how much How much do you really remember wow. of all of your childhood? Probably from the age of three or something like that. That's yeah. awesome. That's, that, that's great that you would admit that to me because that means that we can talk about uh, China. Because you moved, when did you move yes. from China? Moved from China at the age of eight. Eight. Yep. Okay, so from three to eight, you remember, and you were in China. So where did you? Where Where in China were you? I was in. I was born in Shanghai, and uh, my we lived in what would be called a suburb or less less downtown area of Shanghai at that time. Um, but today, it's very much part of downtown, and that's how big the city has grown. It has grown. Statistically speaking, um, from I think somewhere around five million people when I was there to twenty million people today. Wow, which is crazy! So in like twenty years. Yeah. So essentially, the city that I was born in is not the city that it is now. Yeah, I feel like uh, in twenty years, Philadelphia has probably lost like half a million people or something <laughs> like that. So like, not to be understated. Uh, so is but you're so you're you it wasn't Shanghai right it's it's a different town it was Shanghai it was just a new development they they'll call it a new development until it becomes a I guess an old development or an actual established district yeah so, yeah is it a house or an apartment and do, everyone do, in Shanghai lives in an apartment um do your parents is, still live in that apartment or have you, did you guys move around a bit uh no, we still I have that apartment. We still have the apartment. And really, you were able to hold on to that place? Yep, we actually bought it back in the days because the Communist Party, around the time that I was born, they just started to privatize some of the buildings that they own. So most of the time, like, uh, you would have um a job, and the job would allocate you into a flat or an apartment. Yeah, and then just around that time, we started kind of like. Um, privatizing some of these and allowing people to buy them and buy the rights to them. Wow. Uh, so my parents did that. It was like something, would, I think if I remember, something around the cost of like a thousand or two thousand dollars American for the apartment. And uh, today it probably gone up to, you know, the regular 
the regular prices of an apartment in New York City or something like that. So there's no regular price for an apartment in New York City. Uh, do you know how much New York City apartments are to buy? More than I can pay. Yeah. So so <laughs> so your parents are super rich, basically, is what you're saying. No, because it was a tiny, tiny apartment the size of this room, and to describe it to the audience, it's probably, um, think about one living room plus a kitchen, and that's pretty much what we had, and we all lived there. Who's we all? Me and my two parents, so. Hmm. Well, I guess my parents, there's not going to be more than two. Yeah, so so what, what are they, Airbnb in it right now, running out to, to uncles, uh, how's it work? When we wow. did not live there, it was kind of used by some of my uncles and aunts when they, they came back from other cities, because everybody, um, some people were outside of Shanghai, when they moved back, it, they kind of used that temporarily, but right now it just sits there until we go back and use it as a hotel room, pretty much. But you you've only gone back what twice in the last two years? Yeah, we tend to go like once every two years or something. But every time we go back, something changes, which is pretty crazy. But uh, at this point, we just go back for like a couple of weeks, see the family, and that's it. Mm. So, do you have any friends, or do you remember schooling from uh, your time in China? Absolutely. Um, so, schooling it's pretty interesting. You don't just learn twenty six characters of the alphabet. You learn something like. 2,000, 3,000 characters in the entire Chinese, I guess, language or written written portion. And then every day, you would go to school, memorize certain characters, memorize multiplication tables, and then when you come home, you copy each character that you learned that day like 10, 20 times so that you get the strokes right, so you memorize what the hell it means, and that's pretty much school for... I would say six to ten years. You memorize a ton of characters. So you start with maybe a few hundred characters and then you get yourself to a level where most people have about 5,000, 6,000 characters memorized in their, in their mind. Pretty intense. Yeah. So that, that that even starts at an early age, like five? Like you, you did that? Or does that start like in like our first grade, which is probably, what, six or seven? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you start, I mean, back in the day, you start in first grade. Today, kids probably start like the day they're born and they start learning everything. It's pretty crazy, pretty intense competitive environment. I w my parents were not as competitive as some of the other parents I know. Why do you think so? Uh, so my parents left... Uh, for Canada when I was six, and then you I said was, eight. Yep, they left at when I was six. Really? I was there alone, living with my grandparents oh, uh, wow. and some of my uncles and aunts. And I definitely saw how my cousins were raised, which was a lot more intense than how I was kind of raised. Um, when they got a character wrong or something like that, they probably get a good slap in in the hand. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, if their exams are not up to par. They wouldn't get dinner or they'd get a really good beating that night. Um, but for myself, my parents, generally speaking, just didn't care that much and uh, let me be and let me be happy. Um, but I did score pretty good results on math, not so much on the on the Chinese portions. Yeah, but you were only five, so really <laughs> nice. Correct. All right, so your, your parents moved to Canada two years before they brought you over, three years before they brought you over. Yep. Uh, what was the exigency there? What, what happened? Uh, my dad actually came to Canada and a little briefly to the United States when uh, when I was three year old. So he left the country when I was three, and my mom and I just like stayed in the country for until I was six. And uh, she went there to start planning for my arrival again. So they wanted to make sure that our home in Canada, I would say, was stable enough that when I came, there was something to 
planned. Um, but that was pretty much it. But it was a great two years where I got to kind of not have any parents and go crazy. And my grandparents were, it was to the point where my grandparents were like, please take this child away from here. Yeah. So it, I feel like this is a pretty sweet story. Like uh, your parents basically had you and then were immediately like, let's, let's have a, let's move to Canada. Let's figure out how to, how to make this happen. Yep. That's uh, generally what uh, the impression of people have of me was as soon as they meet me, they're like, how, how do I get out of here? Right. <laughs> what are your, what do your parents do in Canada? So my, my dad's a math teacher. Um, and my mom's a uh, computer scientist and, uh, she, she got into programming when she got to Canada. She did electrical engineering before that. So, yeah. Huh. I had, I had no idea. Yeah. So, is your dad still a math teacher? Uh, I think he retired a couple of years ago, so... You think he retired? He retired a couple of years ago. Okay. Was yeah. it was it high school level? Elementary? Uh, it was a university level, so he was Wa- kind of like... At Waterloo, or...? At... It was a Concordia University in Montreal. Okay. So, yeah, that brings me up to another point, is you always say Canada, but where where did you actually live? I lived in Montreal, right beside the McGill University in what they call the McGill Ghetto, um, which is the reason why I never wanted to go to McGill because I spent my whole life there. Hmm. Okay. Uh, do you want to jump to college or apply to college, or do you want to talk about growing up a little bit? Like, it must have been a crazy culture shock for you to, you know, the Chinese culture, um, you know, living with people that you knew, your aunts and uncles and grandparents. And suddenly being in Canada and like, I don't know, being probably different than a lot of people. Right. So funny story. Um, I got over that on the plane ride to Canada and I really needed to go pee and I didn't know how to say that in English. Knows I know nothing about English or French for that matter of fact. And I just went to the stewardess and just like, hey, uh, pee pee and international language. Everybody understood, pointed me in the right direction. Everything worked out. After that, I never had a confidence issue around communication. There's international bio language for everything, and that's how I travel to this day. Uh, that said, uh, when you first move to Canada, um, they put you into a special class where everyone is an immigrant, and everyone is from different backgrounds, different languages. So that really helped to kind of get me um, accustomed and slowly grow onto the culture. Uh, and we learned French together, so. Really? There's like a, there's like a orientation for Canada. That's correct. It's actually called an orientation class for students that just arrived in Canada, and it's, uh, it's really well organized. In French, it's called a classe d'accueil, um, where everyone essentially learns the language together, in addition to the rest of the math and stuff. So I did that when I was in third grade. So okay, so but it's through school and it's just for for students, right? Yep. Okay, we have programs like that in the U.S. I don't think that they're very successful, although I can't, I can't speak to the U.S. education system. I'm not, not, not involved. Um, so, but it was like, so it's like, we call them ESL, and it shows a second language kind of stuff. Uh, but they, you were they, learning English. They definitely forced French down as the first language. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was wondering. You're, because you're, you're fluent in French, right? That's correct. So you know French and English. Yes. Um, you used both growing up? Like, how does that work growing up so close to Mont- Montreal? Montreal. Um, Montreal. I can't do it. In, uh, I actually didn't speak English until I was probably 14, 15. No, that's insane. Yeah. Wait, so, so you <laughs> you were just like a little French boy? Yep. I only spoke French until oh I was very late in my teenage years, years. Wait, but you knew a little bit of English before that, right? Not really. So how did you learn English when you were 14? You watch a lot of news and Simpsons. 
Mostly Simpsons. Yeah, The Simpsons actually taught me everything I know about literature and stuff like that, so I'm not surprised. I learned sarcasm from The Simpsons, too. That's probably why I'm so sarcastic as a person. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm, bl- I'm kind of blown away. I didn't. I had, n- I had no idea that you didn't learn English until you were 14. I feel like... There's they no also, way. They also put me into the... When we were learning English as a second language, they put me into the shitty English class because my English was so bad until I started watching more Simpsons and then they put me in the advanced English class because I was able to catch up. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Wait, but they... So it wasn't... It's not broadcast in Montreal dubbed or anything like that? It's oh, it more... definitely is. Actually, 4.30, the French edition comes on. 5 p.m., the, the English edition comes on. I watch both. Oh, yeah, that actually helps you out because if it's the same episode, you can kind of, like, figure out what Bart and Lisa are doing. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so how was high school for you? Were you popular? Uh, I was, like, hating on everyone. Just, I guess, not that different today. <laughs> but, no, I was, uh, I was very angry in the first couple years of high school, still trying to adapt, um, to, I guess, losing group of friends, because, you know, high school changed, we um, pretty much lost all my friends from primary school, and then, uh... Why? They, got, they went to a different school? Yeah, so, like, every Asian parent don't want you to get into, like, this top elite school in the city. So, I went to uh, the number one school in the city that needed an interest exam, and most of my friends didn't. So, the number one school in Montreal? That's what they say. What what school is that? It's the International School of Montreal, which is just the, what is it, IB program? Yeah, International Baccalaureate program? Yeah. Oh, is it it a private school? It It was a public IB school where... The entire school was IB, so that was what's special Jesus. about it. I honestly, yeah. I had no idea you were this smart. Yeah, me neither. IB program's pretty uh, respectable. <laughs> Not everyone there was smart. And I wasn't one of the smartest ones. Yeah, that doesn't matter. So, did you, like, did you do any clubs? Like, what was your favorite class in high school? Our school was so underfunded. We had no music program. We had, like, limited gym access. It was We didn't have any varsity teams or anything like that. It was really underfunded. So favorite classes, like, there wasn't really much to pick from aside from, like, gym or math, I'd say. Because my, my dad's a math prof, so I guess I have to say math. Gym or math is your favorite? Which one's your favorite? Well, I got really good grades in math, which translates into me liking math and then Jim was just not using my brain hence you like Jim and I think everybody can associate with that all right legit um so how was like the college application process you you didn't look at McGill did you look at any places outside of Canada uh I kind of looked at places outside of Canada but I didn't apply simply I had to like do the SAT and I was not interested in doing any tests to go and get into college. Does Canada have a test that you have to take? Canada does not have a test, and they only base it on your high school results. That was the good part. Um, so I skipped that entire portion. What I did know is I want to get away from my parents as, as far as possible. So I'm, I applied to University of Waterloo, which is uh, a good seven hours, eight hour drive from Montreal, and had a good engineering program. I wanted to design cars when I was when I was a kid, so they had a really good mechanical engineering program. Hence, I thought that that would be a good bridge to eventually start designing cars. Hmm. What kind of car do you have? I have a Hyundai Sonata. Very rational choice. Yeah, very rational. It doesn't speak to your the id or you loving designing yeah. cars. So my wife is also a very rational person, and she disagreed when I said that we should get a you know Hummer, Ferrari, or whatever. I'm sure. 
So you applied to University of Waterloo and you enrolled in the engineering program? Yep. So Waterloo, it's like, uh, it's in the suburbs of Toronto, right? Yeah, about an hour and a half away. Okay, so like, you know, yeah, yeah, little Seattle, big city. Was it a, was, was there a culture shock there? Like, was it, was it like, how was your first year of college? Right. Actually, it was a tiny city and uh, an hour and a half away. It's a, water is a population of 300,000 people. So probably like Penn State, actually. Penn State's uh, bigger than that, I feel. Huh. Yeah, probably not. So that was culture shock because it was going from a very cultural city um, of maybe three, four million people of very diverse backgrounds to a generally speaking white Indian Asian uh, campus um, where it was very, very uh, kind of segmented, I would say. Um, and it was a uh, it was interesting because uh, in Ontario the the legal drinking age there was 19 year old and when I went there I was 19 already and most people that are from Ontario that and go to that university are 18 and uh, they were everyone I was just popular in the first year because I was buying alcohol for everyone wait why were you 19 your freshman year of college right so in Quebec there's a CGIP system where after high school you C-Gip? would spend yep it's called CGIP it's like a collegiate thing where you spend okay. two years there before you move on to university so I did that Hence well, well, how 19 but you graduated college, high school when you were 18 two years I graduated high school when I was 17 because it's a five-year program, and then I went... Five-year? High school in the U.S. is four years. Oh, interesting. So primary primary school is six years, and then we did... We call them secondary school, which is... Actually, I get it now, yeah, because there's no middle middle school. We do five years, then three years middle school, and then four years... Or you can do two years junior high, five years high school, but yeah. Yeah. The, The point being, alcohol made me pretty famous for the first year. Pretty famous. Yep, that was my alcohol. Everybody came to me. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, other than studying and doing really well in math at at uh, Waterloo, what else did you do? I actually didn't study for a good two years because CJ taught me everything I needed to know for the first two years, so I partied a lot. Yeah. All right. So let's move forward to graduation and uh, what happens after that. Uh, after graduation, I spent a good. Uh, eight months trying to get a startup up and running. Oxize? Uh, that's correct. Yeah. And uh, with a buddy of mine. And uh, what we did was um, we tried to create an algorithm that would analyze people's online browsing behavior um, around travel websites and then try to decide, uh, cluster your different psychographics. Um, so like, for example, Alex um, is looking at different things in... I don't know, Paris or Scandinavia, and then based on what activities you're looking at, based on what areas you're looking at, we could probably decide whether you are somebody that likes adventure or somebody that's like, likes all, all inclusive resorts or whatever. Um, and then based on that, we can also tell when you would potentially be going. Uh, so very macroeconomic type of like forecasting for travel. Um, the idea was to sell that type of data and information to airlines and hotels and tourism in- industry so they can prepare their products, etc. Um, we got a lot of interest initially from different executives. They thought it was a great idea. They wanted in. Um, unfortunately, when time came to partner with them to get their, their data so that we can start testing the algorithm, yeah. uh, they were like, uh, I don't think so. Can you show me that there's evidence that this works first? Uh, so it was like a chicken and egg. And uh, around the same time, my, uh, my buddy was like, yeah, listen, I need to get married, um, so I don't think I can take risks anymore, and that's when things started to falter a little bit, and uh, yeah, that was the end of that. Wow, so he's 23 and he was done taking risks? 
He was a lot older. He was like 27, 28 back then. How'd you meet him? Uh, through a co-op. So water was a co-op program, and uh, essentially you have job throughout the university. You don't it's have just, an education. It's just BlackBerry, right? Yep, right. No. Was it BlackBerry? <laughs> no, I did a stunt at the Canadian Space Agency. Then I went to Vancouver to work in mining research, essentially empowering oil sand companies. Um, and then I did a stunt at an investment IT company, and yeah, those are those are three of the places I spend most of my time in. Sounds super well rounded, but isn't the the co-ops a big part of Waterloo, right? Yeah, that's what they're built on. So that's pretty cool. Canadian Space Agency. What yeah. are you guys hoping to get into the the upper atmosphere next year? <laughs> my project was actually really cool because I worked with a Japanese team um, building a satellite um, on a collaboration project. Uh, there was one day when um, one of the we had a design review. So design reviews are like every top engineer comes in and we present what we've done and they'll criticize what's wrong, what's right, whatever. And then they it was a holiday in Japan, and we had a video conference going with the team in Japan. They came in on the holiday at midnight to accustom to our schedule, and before the conference started, the video conference didn't work. And I was talking with, uh, with my Japanese colleagues, like, hey, what's going on? They're like, oh, the, the video conference said this doesn't work, like, can't do anything about it. I go downstairs, I find a video conferencing guy, there was a miscommunication when the guy said, I just can't be in the room, and I can still turn it on, but you guys need to control it. So, fix that problem, get the video conferencing going. Later that night, we go out for, for drinks, and uh, my Japanese colleague was like, yeah, I was like a couple hours away from just committing uh, suicide and uh, I was like what what are you talking about yeah like my boss came on the holiday at midnight and we weren't gonna be able to get them into the meeting that is crazy and I was not gonna absorb that kind of thing it's like wow you he's like you saved my life it's like great wow what was the what was the meeting even about uh, it were like it was like a first phase of reviewing our satellite design. Um, essentially the mechanical components, whether the specs made sense, things like that. So doesn't seem that important to come in on a holiday for, especially at midnight. But uh, great that you could make that happen. Great, different cultures. Yeah. All right. So Fox Eyes fizzles out. What's your next move? How do you get to Philly? So my wife now girlfriend back at that time moves to Philly to study nursing at UPenn. And um, around the same time, I just help her move, right? So just bring her stuff down, go back home. But while I was in town, um, I checked out what the startup scene looked like in Philly. No expectation was staying whatsoever. And then I found RG Metrics, which just got $1.3 million in funding and was in a data world. And I was kind of interested in getting to the data world. Um, sent an email to Bob. He uh, essentially said, Hey, we have this position open, uh, actually the business development analyst role. Um, why don't you apply to that and make sure to take a look at it. Two, three weeks later, just started working here and the rest is history. Wow, what was that? So did you have an interview? Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, uh, the, I did all the tasks that Bob has sent me, very different from what we do today. I probably wouldn't pass the ones I sent out today. Um, and we had a three hour long interview just like everyone else where in the middle I had to go down and put more money into my parking so oh nice good move <laughs> alright so now we got you back in we got you in Philadelphia things like that uh, but now I'm gonna kinda pivot a little bit away from RJ we might come back to it later but uh, we're just talking about daylight savings time you know the, the temperatures warming up what's your favorite spring activity what's my favorite spring activity I feel like I don't have a, 
activity anymore since I started at RJ. Like, it's mostly work. It's depressing. That, a little bit. I did do a triathlon. I started doing triathlons last year, so I do a lot of exercise. I really wanted to try to figure out not bringing up that triathlon. We can can talk about it. (laughs) So I do most of my uh, exercise in the morning, and then I just focus on work for the rest of the day. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not like an activity. That's just like exercise. That's fair. So, yeah, what was the hardest part about training for the triathlon? This is hilarious, by the way. What was the hardest? What? Why is it hilarious? Because you didn't know how to swim. Oh, yeah. Well, that wasn't the hardest part. Uh, swimming was interesting because you just kind of, I just kind of watched a ton of YouTube videos and tried to replicate the movements. And I got kind of pretty good at that. And uh, that wasn't as crazy as I thought it was. What was crazy is just running, actually. At the at the tri- the first triathlon I did, finished it, I ran as fast as the last person that finished the triathlon. Which was 45 minutes for a 5K race. That was great. Uh, okay. <laughs> cool. So, uh, have you ever been to Europe? Uh, I nice have. Country. I've been to... London and Paris, and that's pretty much it. Do they speak the same French in Paris versus in Montreal? <clears throat> no, and they definitely look down on me a little bit, especially the coffee shop guys. Why so? Uh, well, first of all, I probably sat in the wrong chair because I didn't order food, and I was sitting outside, and they're like, hey, that spot's reserved for people that buy food, and I only had a coffee, and then they're like, hey... Why don't you go inside and sit there? And I, and I want to speak French to them. They're like, they definitely like give me a you know ugly look, and that was interesting. But you're fluent in it. I mean, like, it's like English from Britain and English from America. Yeah, it's different. But I mean, I don't think I'd be mad at people. I think that that's more of a cultural thing than a language thing. Uh, I don't know. Well, Paris was a good time, minus the coffee shop experience. Yeah, it seems like it really ruined the trip. Uh, how many languages do you speak total? Uh, so languages, I speak, um, Mandarin, which is dialect of Chinese. Um, I speak Shanghainese, which is another dialect of Chinese. I speak English and then French. Who do you speak, uh, Mandarin and Shanghainese with? Uh, Shanghainese with my parents and my family and Mandarin mostly with any other Chinese person in the world. So how does that work? How'd you learn, how'd you learn both? So, uh, I assume Mandarin was taught in school, but, like, Chinese is taught, like, it's just, like, your parents taught it to you? That's pretty much it. In the family, you just speak it. Um, it's it's actually really funny, because in Shanghai, and, and most big cities in China, they're actually pretty racist internally in China. So, when you don't speak the local language of that big city or whatever, they kind of look down on you. So, you kind of have to pick it up in Shanghai to speak Shanghainese. So, people are like, oh, he's a local. Like, yeah. he's, he's above the rest. Yeah. That whole concept's really foreign and confusing to me. I mean, I understand definitely, like... Um, you know, like looking down on people that are not from your area, like people from New Jersey and things like that. But like, we don't have. It's not so easy to to be so segregationist here. Yeah, Chinese people are, uh, tend to be a little bit racist. Mm. Have you been to the Philadelphia Zoo? Uh, I have. I actually went there for a zoo experience, um, and that was essentially cleaning the rhinoceros poo. And but we also got to pat him, which was great. Pat? You mean like touch? Yep. Pat. I I touched Tony the rhinoceros. Huh? How was his poop? His poop was really big, but he is the shyest 
uh, Ernesto was ever met. I guess I only met one, but he was pretty shy. Yeah, I mean, it's also probably the most outgoing rhino you've ever met. <laughs> Rhinos are pretty strange. I think they can run like 35 miles an hour, but they can only see like 18 inches in front of their face. It's just like a terrifying... Like, That's interesting. Yeah. He also had a TV in the back of the room. So when he's not outside, they turn on this TV for the rhinoceros to get in, to stay entertained and not feel lonely, which is kind of like dogs when they're at home, I guess. What do you think he was watching? Is it like he was watching or? definitely a soap opera. Hmm. He's a big softy. What was his name? Tony. Tony. Yeah, rhinos are super weird. Save rhinos. I love rhinos. Yeah. So, have you gotten into American football at all? I still don't really appreciate the game. I guess not. But I knew I know I should vote for the Eagles, maybe? Yeah, definitely vote for the Eagles. Um, <laughs> so, when it comes to, like, play calling, like, if you coach football, uh, there's, like, two things. You, you can either run the ball or pass the ball. And passing the ball is, like, probably more conservative, but it'll get you more consistent results while or running the ball. Versus passing is, like, a little bit more of a gamble, but you can score faster. So, if you coach football, do you think that you'd run the ball or pass the ball more? I'm a pretty situational manager, so I'll judge the circumstances. So I'll probably make the call based on the situation that we're in. Wow, what am I interviewing? Like, Donald Trump now? Like, <laughs> I feel like Donald Trump would jump to, I win. Oh, uh, he's like, we're going to score so many points. It's fair. What about fast food? You like fast food? Uh, absolutely. Um, I, I actually, one of my first meals in Canada was, was McDonald's. Um, I grew up on Coca-Cola and Kentucky Fried Chicken. For those of you who don't know, KFC is, is really popular in China and still one of their strongest markets. Um, so yeah, I, I love fast food. Um, lately, I haven't really spent much money at fast food spots, though. Why do you think KFC is so popular? People love chicken. Yeah, it's just like the American experience, right? And their chicken is actually really good. Um, chicken in Asia, at least when I was a kid, um, wasn't as much massly, massively produced um, with these genetically modified birds. They actually had like pretty decent birds. Um, so the, the consistency was different in the meat, and it was, really, it was actually really good. Huh. You can get the same experience, I would say, if you go to a KFC today, in uh, Singapore, Malaysia, or Indonesia, those kind of spots where they still have some uh, pretty good chicken production. Yeah, I can't say I'm going to do that anytime soon, but I'll keep it in mind if I'm ever uh, in Malaysia. Uh, have you been to a KFC in the U.S.? Uh, I have. I it kind of like the the meat just slid off the bone, and that was an interesting experience. Well, that's a good. That, that, that's that's how you how you want it. But yeah, it's definitely. I feel like that's got to be like a real like coming to terms with your like mortality that like KFC is bad here. It's fair. It's fair. Because I uh, imagine as a as a as a little kid or whatever, you like think you're like oh, KFC's like great here. All the food in America, especially the KFC, must be amazing. Yeah, I I definitely wanted to really like KFC here, but I just couldn't. But they had $2 Tuesdays. I don't know if they have them here now. But What do you get for $2? Uh, $2 Tuesdays in Canada, you get uh, two pieces and a drink and fries. Uh, so that was pretty good, but then you feel like crap after. Yeah, no, that sounds like the same experience you could get here. I don't know if it costs $2, but the end result is the exact same. <laughs> All right, so how do you take your coffee? Hmm. Well, lately, 
coffee really makes me anxious. It doesn't like actually make me more aware. I haven't really seen you drink much coffee before, although occasionally you'll be like, ah, oh, drinking coffee in the afternoon. Right. So that's probably I think that I want to get aware, but then I really just get anxious, and then so I'm starting to do decaf. Um, so I'll take a decaf with two sugar and one milk. Seems like such a waste, decaf. Like I like the taste of coffee, and but I feel like drinking decaf. To, like I'm just gonna drink the regular. Yeah, I just don't want to be so the, anxious all the, the time. Caffeine. I don't know. So, what do you think is the best birthday present that you've ever purchased or received? Well, that's a good question. Ever seen the first one? I was waiting for a better question. Uh, best birthday. So on. In the first year that I met my wife, um, for my birthday, I think that was in two thousand and eight. She, we were in Vancouver, so she surprised me with a what are what are those planes that land on water? Aeroplane? Oh no, no. Uh, just a seaplane. Seaplane. She took me on a seaplane across from Vancouver to a tiny island on Vancouver Island. And then we spent the weekend there, just getting a massage, eating food, and hiking, and all that stuff. And then seaplane back. That was just an amazing time. Yeah, it's pretty over the top. Yeah. What about have you? Do you think you've ever given a present and you're like, God, like I did so well there? So for her birthday once, her uh, her brother is a uh, table tennis player and uh, professional one. Um, yeah, I know. Like, who makes money from table tennis, right? But, in Canada uh, or in China or in Canada and he's a professional uh, table tennis player in Canada. Yep, and then she, he profession. won the North American title, beating the Americans, um, and then got a chance to go to the Olympics. So for her birthday, I bought her tickets to go to the Olympics with her brother in Canada. Where, in no, London, yeah, because the the Canadian were winter. Did you go? I did not go because it was way too poor. So I only bought tickets for her, which she joined her family over there, which is pretty cool. Yeah. How did he do? He uh, went out first round. He was, I think, defeated by uh, a four-time Olympian from an African country. Just luck of the draw, I guess. You should right. see if he could come to the office sometime. I'd be really curious to see him play. Jake has wanted to meet him forever. Where does he live? He's in Vancouver. Hey, yeah, it seems like we could sponsor him or something. <laughs> yes, the RJ sponsored. He's literally the North American champion. Yeah, and he, he retired now, and uh, he's going back to school to finish his studies. So. Have you ever played him in ping pong? Uh, yeah, he uh, he taught me how to spin balls and stuff. I definitely beat him on at least one round. I've never even seen you play ping pong. I highly doubt that. That is fact. He'd probably let me want, but I still want. That's pretty cool. So you mentioned her a few times. We can finally talk about her. Your wife, uh, Susanna? Suzanne? Susanna. Susanna. How'd you meet her? Uh, so when I was in Vancouver for a co-op, again, internships drive most of my life, um, she and I, well, after work, a friend of mine brought me to Dragon Bowling for fun, and then she was Dragon one, Bowling? Yep, Dragon Boating. Oh, boating. Yep, dragon boating, which is essentially, for people that are not familiar with it, a giant canoe. So think about a really, really long canoe, 
and you have probably like 20 people sitting on it that roll at the same time. Uh, and it's you prepare for a competition at the end of the season. And, yeah, US, uh, yeah, actually Philly hosts a huge dragon boating competition. Yeah, that's cool. I wasn't aware of that. But yeah, so we went dragon boating and uh, essentially um, after a couple of times, um, we kind of just started hanging out with the same group of friends. And, uh, and once we started dating, I kind of just dropped dragon boating. Did she still do it or did she still do it? Uh, she definitely continued, but uh, that team wasn't that good, so I kind of dropped out. Huh. And when did you guys get married? We got married 2014, November. Oh, this is going to be crappy. I forgot the date. No, I think yeah, before Thanksgiving, I feel like. Early November. Yeah. November something, 2014. This is really bad. So yeah. I really hope that Susanna does not listen to this. I, I definitely hope she does because it's not my fault that you don't, you don't remember your anniversary. <laughs> so where is, she, where is she working now? Uh, she's uh, a nurse manager at um, HUP, which is the Hospital University of Pennsylvania. She takes care of the quality and um, safety department of things. It's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. So... Would you ever donate your brain to science? I would donate every organ I have to science. But do you think that they could learn anything from your brain? Probably not. Mm. But after my death, who cares? Yeah, so you have no qualms about it? Would you ever do like body works or anything like that? Body worlds? Uh, I don't know if I would do body works though. That was kind of weird. I would probably donate to science for some other reason. Yeah, you, you don't get to choose like what, what, <laughs> what part of you gets preserved. So they could just like take like a really small part of you. Like everyone wants to be like the big naked guy riding the horse and you can like see all his muscles. But they could just like only like like take apart like your ankle and it's like this is this is like a weird ankle like. Yeah, I didn't see the exhibition, but I saw pictures of it, and uh, to this day, it freaks me out. I don't think I would do well in a hospital environment ever. Um, I just don't do well around blood and stuff like that. My world is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. They like use enzymes, and you can like only see like the like your like the capillaries and stuff. Just throwing it out there. Uh, so there's been a lot of talk about putting a, a female on um, a United States dollar bill. And they've cho- they're they they're talking about putting it on the ten dollar bill. Although I think that's going to be like a code thing with the other person that's on it. But who would you put on the ten dollar bill? That's interesting. Maybe the uh, what is it? The Lady Liberty. What's just like the Statue of the Liberty. Statue of Liberty. So the you're Statue just going to put like a, a generic person that stands for freedom. Oh, but she's gift from from the French. So it's uh she represents freedom, which is a huge value in, yeah, in this country. She's not a real person, though. I mean, she's. Uh, it's she about be. the belief. It's not about the person. It's what that person stands for. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, sticking on the, the spirit with liberty and stuff like that, um, if you were to be elected president, the Secret Service assigns you a code name. Like, Obama's is Renegade, uh, Reagan's was Rawhide, and like George Bush's was at first Tumblr, but then in his second term they changed it to Trailblazer. What do you think that your Secret Service code name would be? Well, I could never be president because I'm apparently not born in this country. Not apparently. I'm not born in this country, and people that are not born here are not good enough to lead this country. Ted Cruz wasn't born uh, here. It's fair. He was naturalized. Uh, they'll probably call me the fake American. Fake American? Yeah. That's not That's not bad. It has a, has a certain ring to it. 
Do you uh, do you collect anything? Hmm. Do I collect anything? Um. Not really. I guess I collect pictures. I have pictures from a long time ago. But oh yeah, you're does. a big like photographer, right? Pretty well, serious about it. Haven't done much, but yes, uh, that's the only moment where I actually get to be peaceful with my mind. Wow. What's your What's your current setup? Like what camera? Uh, I got a Canon 6D and a 24-105 lens, pretty standard, and then I recently just acquired a uh, zoom lens, just 70-300 L-series, which is pretty sweet. Brought it to Disney, did some amazing shots. Yeah. Yeah, that means, that all means nothing to me, but, uh, as long as it makes you happy. So, yeah, you were recently in Disney World, and you went with your wife... Uh, just for, for the, the hell of it, right? Yeah, she was having a conference there, and uh, uh, I tagged along. I didn't realize. I, thought, I was hoping that you guys just went for fun. Yeah, maybe with kids later. Yeah. Well, which one? Which uh, kingdom was your favorite? Definitely Magic Kingdom. Magic Kingdom. Yeah. It was very magical. The parades were very well done. What's amazing is that you have a place where it has 10,000 babies and kids, and none of them are crying. They're all freaking happy. Yeah, it's all set up for them, you know. It's it's It's... I don't know. They probably think that you're you're probably really stand out more than anything. They're they're very. It's a magical place. Yeah. Did yeah. you do any of the Star Wars theme rides there? Were like Star Tours? No, we didn't go to Hollywood Studios. Um, uh, so up to this point, my favorite ride is Splash Mountain. Splash Mountain. Yep. I don't know if I can really even remember what Splash Mountain is. It's just a log flume, right? Yep. It's essentially just a big water log ride with a f- story, and at the end of it, you're pretty tired of the music. Yeah. How'd you like Epcot? Uh, Epcot was interesting. It's kind of like every like you have the techie stuff, but you also have different countries from around the world, and uh, it's interesting to to kind of see how Americans can travel the world within Epcot and never actually travel the world. So that's like I think that's the whole point. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not just Americans. You were there, and you're not American. I I really enjoy the Canadian Pavilion. Feel like going home. Oh, I didn't realize there was a Canadian pavilion there. <laughs> Alright, so, uh, what's your favorite video game? Counter-Strike. Um, you play Counter-Strike? Throughout high school, I probably play six hours of Counter-Strike a day. Really? I yeah. had no idea. Yeah. I didn't think that you played video games at all. Yep. I used to play a lot of Counter-Strike. What version did you play? Uh, started with, I think, like, 1.1 1. 1 or something like Jesus, that. Jesus, you've yeah. played for longer than I have. Yeah. I feel like I learned a lot of skills from Counter-Strike. Teamwork, uh, strategy. Um, it's fair. Yeah, how to cheat. Clans. Yeah. And favorite weapon, probably the M4. Yeah, that's just like the default counter-terrorist gun, right? Yep. I think the AK-47 is better. It's definitely more powerful. Yeah, it seems easier Less to Less accurate. No, it's more accurate. You just have to like tap the mouse The M4 button. is definitely more accurate. Would no. you play? Would you play it, with Og or not? Uh, is that the one that that's like the is that like the one hit kill? Yes. Sniper. No, generally not. No. No. Although, yeah, because people that are really good at it, it's just like super frustrating to play against. It's not fun. Yeah, I used to be really good with the scout gun. That was just a two like kill. The, the default a... sniper. Yeah. Do you still play it all? Uh, haven't done it since college. Yeah, I think they changed it a lot. I haven't played it either because when they moved to Counter Strike Source, my computer didn't run it anymore, so I just like bought an Xbox. Pretty much same yeah. here. Huh? Have you seen any uh, movies recently? 
Latest movie I saw was Star Star Wars. Oh, I didn't realize you saw it. Are you are you a Star Wars fan? Um, maybe I don't know what what con- what constitutes a fan in your know. opinion. Ha- have you seen all the movies, the prequels, and you understand I've seen the all lore? the movies? I don't remember much of any of the first three, but I remember a little bit. Do you mean first three? Do you mean like the prequel trilogy or the original trilogy? Uh, the original. You, so you remember more from the prequels? Yeah, I remember a little bit more from the prequels than I do from the last three. What do you mean last three? Well, the last three that they made recently. What? The the last three are the prequels. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, I got mixed up. So I remember a little bit more from Harrison Ford's era than I remember from uh, the current era of things, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there's no the current era is the J.J. Abrams era, but yeah, yeah. Which one, which of the original three is your favorite? Hmm. I don't remember exactly, but the one where they crash into a into a planet and then uh, the the little green dude appears <laughs> and as a, as a ghost. Uh, I remember. I remember that. I don't scene. know. I I don't know which one that's from. I mean, he appears <laughs> as a. You're talking about Yoda, I assume, and Yoda appears as a ghost in the in the Return of the Jedi, but. I think they crash into a planet. I mean, it's it's a moon. I don't know what I don't know what you're talking about, really. But I think you're talking about an empire when they go onto the moon, and he says, "This is no moon." I don't think it's a moon. It was a jungle. Oh, they didn't crash there. They landed there because they wanted to to deactivate the shield generator so they could blow up the second Death Star. Oh my God, it's so complicated. So, yeah, but so Return of the Jedi is your favorite Star Wars movie, probably because is that the one where they also like start flying low into the Death Star and then like kill everyone? But I mean that happens in the first one too. Like no, I don't know. Start flying low. I don't know. So I guess we can we can conclude that I am not a Star Wars fan. No, but do you like the new one? It was uh, it was a good story. I really enjoyed it. How does a good story? Yeah. How does uh, Star Wars compare to Lord of the Rings for you? Hmm. Interesting. Um. I feel like Lord of the Rings it has achieved the point where. They're simply making more of the same, and every story is very similar. So yeah, but I mean, like b- before, like the exploitation of um, the Hobbit and turning it into three movies. Like I know that you're a huge Lord of the Rings fan. <laughs> Actually, not. You always make metaphors about Lord of the Rings. Really? Yeah, you always talk about Lord of the Rings. Like what? I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I feel like you talk about Frodo and and uh, Gandalf a lot. And like, really? It, yeah. You. I mean, maybe it's just like your basis for describing a lot of like um, like movies and things like that. But you're always talking about Lord of the Rings. Huh. Interesting. Because for the record, I don't recall a single instance where I've mentioned any parallels with Lord of the Rings characters or environment. But uh, I did enjoy The Hobbit, the book, a lot. That was probably my favorite thing from from his writing. What language did you read it in? In French. Oh, what's the Hobbit? What's the title of the Hobbit in French? Le Hobbit. Le Hobbit. <laughs> I've never read the Hobbit. I actually never read any of the Lord of the Rings. Uh, save your time. They're really long books. Yeah, no problem here. Um, so, do you have any man crushes on anybody? It's interesting. Um, probably the George Clooney types. I would want to go for. Yeah. Oh, I mean, like, is there anybody that you have a man crush on that you like? Like, you could just say George Clooney in this situation. Yeah, like, I would say George Clooney. Yeah? If I would look like that, I'd be pretty, pretty confident in myself. Mm. Yeah, what do you like most about him? His acting, his directing, his TV work? 
the facial hair that I was never able to have. Yeah, it's rough. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm in the same boat as you. So uh, you live in South Philly now. Would you That's describe, correct. Would you describe it as South Philly? I definitely describe it as South Philly. You're still like a block north South, of Washington. Southwest though. Philly. Southwest, yeah. How do you li- how do you like living in Southwest Philly? Uh, it's a great area. Everything's walkable in Philly. That's what I love about the city. Um, and it takes me half an hour to walk here, eight minutes to bike here. You're close to everything, so can't complain. Yeah. What's your uh, favorite place to eat in that area? Hmm, it's a good question. Um, I don't have a favorite place to eat around there, but my favorite spots in the city would be for pizza. I'd probably go to Cosmo Pizza. Um, Shout out. Really good vegetarian re- vegetarian pizza there. Uh, fancier restaurants. I really enjoyed Tria, whatever the locations are, um, along with uh, Barbuzo right around the corner here. And yeah, it's those are some of the things that have come to my mind. Yeah, sounds good. You're at kind of a, a huge crossroads in your life, in your professional career right now. You know, you've, you've locked down Susanna. You have that kind of consistency. Um, you're choosing to step away from the best job you've ever had to try to really discover yourself, figure out what the next move is, you know, where you want to do. So where do you see yourself in 10 years? Well, number one, I want to say that it's a really accurate description, and I'm really, uh, I'm really kind of... Uh, I'm really... Um, I lost words. It's 6.15 and woke up at 7. Anyways. Um, that's not that bad. <laughs> but uh, no, that's, that's a really good description of where I'm at right now. This is the best job I've ever had in my life. Um, it, I'm going to miss it a lot. And um, I'm going to miss the people. I'm going to miss the company. I'm going to miss the environment. I'm going to miss the location. A lot of things. Um, I don't know. The truth is, I, I don't know. I don't have the answer to, to your question. Um, I'm going to take some time to just unwind and understand where the hell I'm at and what I like at this point. But yeah, you, you're not, you don't, you don't, you, you don't want to be anywhere in 10 years. You don't want to be uh, a high paid executive driving a BMW in the suburbs. Oh God, uh, no. You don't want to be living in, I don't know, Hawaii. Like, where would you like? you know, founder of, of, you know, the next billion dollar startup. Uh, it's interesting you say that. Like when I was a kid, I was kind of like thinking like, well, what's the mark that I want to live in this world? Like, is it that I want to be known for being, I don't know, like a politician or do I want to be known for being a really good businessman? And I really don't know. Like if I were to live any mark on this planet, um, I would probably just want to inspire some people in, in, maximizing their talent whatever that talent may be and if i can help do and do that and inspire some thoughts inspire some changes inspire happiness like that's all i wish for i don't really care about anything else yeah so it sounds like maybe consulting for you then but i don't know about inspiring happiness i don't know if there's a happiness consultant mm, maybe i'll go work for disney yeah that trip's really had a big impact on you <laughs> i mean imagineers don't get don't get paid that that badly so it's fair so, how old do you feel inside? That's interesting. How, like, then you're making an assumption that at each age there is a type of mindset and a type of behavior. And I don't know. I, 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 I was never know. young. I think I, 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 when I was five years old, I pretty much had the same personality I have right now. Well, rough childhood.
Yes. I don't know. I, I Again, it's very situational. In certain circumstances, I can probably feel like I'm 10 years old again. In some circumstances, I can try and be as mature as a 30, 40-year-old um, to hold some conversations. I don't know. I don't even remember what it was like when I was 10 years old. I can't, I can't remember. I can't even know what that feeling feels like. Yeah, it depends, right? It's like, can you let yourself go so free and be responsible that you can just appreciate the moment? Uh, I'm sure you can find moments like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe. So, who do you think is the best rapper alive? Uh, personally speaking, might be... I don't know if everyone agreed this, but uh, definitely Eminem in my books. Eminem? Yep. Wow, you're not even repping Canada here with Drake? Uh, nope. Eminem hasn't done shit in like a decade. That's fair, but he was the greatest rapper when I was growing up. Yeah, but I said alive. He's, there's more than, there's more rappers. Really, Eminem's the greatest rapper you growing up. Hmm. That's that's in my books. Do you still listen to rap? Uh, absolutely. Do you listen to music? All the time. But it's mostly just like Pandora, right? Like it's just whatever's in the background. Sadly, yes. For the past four years. But before that, I actually have a huge collection of about 60 gigs of um, hip-hop and rap music. Huh. I, I, Everything I no from, idea. I don't know, Afro-Ra to um, a lot of Jay-Z, um, some old Dre stuff, but a lot of instrumental stuff. Um, yeah. It's interesting. Um... So you're you're kind of famous around here for wearing shorts. Uh, for me, it made a huge impact on me during my uh, interview with you. Uh, it was the coldest day of the year so far. I think it was in November, but it was unseasonably cold. Uh, you were the last person, and you were wearing uh, these burgundy shorts along with like a burgundy striped sweater, and it really freaked me out because I had no idea like why anyone in their right mind would be wearing shorts when it was like. 30 degrees out, but it was like a really cold 30 degrees, and like, it really threw me off, it was really confusing, so, um... But you took the job anyways. Yeah, but I still can't kind of figure out why you were wearing shorts. Simple answer is, they're just comfortable. I'm wearing pants right now, and I'm like pulling them down all the time. You've actually, you've actually worn a lot of pants lately, I think. I feel like you've moved away from your, your short waist. Yes, the culture's definitely getting on to me. I'm, uh, I'm not as, uh, shorts guy anymore. Yeah, I think I asked you that, and you were just like, eh, I'm from Canada, which is really a, a perfectly fine answer. Yep. So, do you have any uh, nicknames? Not really. What nickname would you give me? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm a fan of the, the X, X-Man, which uh, is what was Jonah's nickname for you. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's, that's about it, man. It's not that funny. No, it doesn't have to be funny. So do you think in the metric or the imperial system? Always in the metric. My phone still shows up in Celsius. Um, I still evaluate all distance and uh, kilometers and meters. When I look at my car's odometer, it says miles, but I looked at the smaller letters that say kilometers. So, And when I think about speed limits on a highway, I think more along the lines of 105 kilometers an hour. Yeah, kilometers are more fun when it comes to that because you can go faster. <laughs> and you get to places a lot sooner because the kilometers, like, they, they you know, you make better progress with kilometers. 
But how does, I don't, I can't, could never imagine thinking in Celsius. It's like, a, the difference between a good day and a bad day is like but two degrees. But it makes sense. It makes so much sense. If you think about it, if it's, it's relation to water, and our body's kind of made from water, so it's zero, it's freezing temperature. And you know that everything below zero, you should really wear a lot of clothes. Anything above zero, you should wear less, a little less clothes. Yeah, but when it comes to what I want to wear, knowing between freezing and, and boiling doesn't really matter. Yeah, you're definitely not going to boil or freeze. Yeah, like, eh, I don't know. Makes a lot of sense to me. Temperature being around 100 degrees, like, that's not a coincidence. <laughs> okay. All right. So, yeah, we'll, we'll pivot back to RJ now. Uh, what is your first RJ Metrics memory? Oh, man. First, like, timeline-wise? Well, it would be the first one, yeah. There's so much. I remember the first. I was remember when I was interviewed. I remember when I came in to sign the offer and Jake high five me. Uh, I remember my first day where I was actually dressed in dress pants and dress shoes. That was the first and last time I ever showed up in office with dress pants and dress shoes. That's pretty good. Yeah. What did you do your first day? Um, they didn't have computers for us, so we brought our own laptops and we just started uh, learning documentation, a ton of wikis that Jake had built up. Um, so a lot of reading on that day. Sean and I started the same day, for those of you that don't know. Um, so it was a lot, of, a little bit of learning about Sean as well. Both of us were pretty shy. I showed up five minutes before him, so I have a five minutes seniority over Sean. So. Yeah, it's important. Very important. What did you do? Like, when did you start really like doing stuff, and what was the stuff that you were doing? We did everything. Everything in the first few weeks, we sorted through marketing leads. We sent like email campaigns. We did implementations of new clients. We did support. Um, we also started training up new people once after after we got Tara and uh, Sharon on board. Um, and we were working also closely with uh, this guy that trained us. Uh, his name was Gaston, and uh, he left a couple months after we joined. So, was it hard to see Gaston go? Uh, it was it was kind of weird because uh, we just got there and the guy that trained us, uh, both of us, uh, just left and then we we're kind of like left to on our own with Jake and then but Jake definitely did uh, an amazing job just substituting and trying to be our mentor. So it's a long time ago. What is the uh, what's like the strangest client interaction or client memory that you have? <sighs> I don't know. If there's anything strange that I've ever had. I did have a launch call that went up to like three hours. That was pretty crazy. Um, at the end of it, I couldn't even speak anymore and like I, I needed to just get a water break. Uh, kind of similar to now, I guess. Hmm. What do you think, what's the best decision that uh, you made or were a part of at your time here? The best or worst? Uh, we can do both. Do you have a, you, you have a worst decision in mind? The worst decision? Or the best decision. It's a hard one. Um, every, it's like every decision has a learning. So I don't know if there's like a best or worst. Um, decisions are decision at the end of the day. Uh, if in hindsight I would have done something different. Um, potentially uh, build the team with uh, individuals that... Um, have a little bit more experience on the analytics side. Um, but yeah, uh, generally speaking, we probably could have learned together as a team, a little bit from people that have done similar things at different companies. Um, so we've, I feel like we could have had pretty good one or two mentors that uh, that could have helped us get to where we are a little bit faster, so. 
it's a little fun to figure it out on your own though right yeah definitely trial and error is definitely uh um what a lot of us try for and uh, as long as we don't repeat the same mistakes it's always good so yeah it's a lot more impactful to like learn it from yourself like you can have somebody who's like yeah i did it this way at this, at this other place be like yeah but like that's not really gonna work here we have a slightly different situation uh even if like yeah i mean learning through failure for me super effective so uh what's on your business card uh the logo is a lightning bolt lightning flash why is that uh originally jack zach had asked me to come up with a logo and i was like uh what represents me and i was like uh, i guess i do things really quickly uh and i was like a flash of thunder and he just kind of picked the uh, the flash cartoon or comic symbol for me nice St- you stuck with it didn't change it yep that's how lazy i am even have you ever even given anybody your business card uh, we went to a ton of conferences whenever I meet clients. Um, we did a lot of, um, we did some um, in, in the office meeting with clients. We also visited people in New York and stuff. So those at those instances, I was really proud to hand them my flashcard. Yeah. Did you ever inspire any sort of conversation? Definitely, because the business card that, we're, that uh, we have um, is printed on really cool paper and, and always starts a conversation. Wow, where'd you get this business card? People do like the card stock, yeah. yeah. Huh. Yeah, so uh, every Friday here, you know, we get free lunch. Uh, what's was your favorite free lunch that you get here? So before I stopped eating meat, um, Wait, it was definitely the what is this? The kebab thing? What's it called? Uh, hummus. Hummus grill. That's yeah. right. Hummus grill. And then afterwards, hummus grill became the worst thing because it's. The worst thing for vegetarian. You still get falafel. Uh, yeah, and I don't like falafel. I thought falafel was meatballs when I first ate it, and that yeah, was it really disappointing. Yeah, like meatballs. It's not meatballs. It's it's a lie. That's what it is. And uh, today, probably, I feel like the Jake sandwiches, the vegetarian ones, got really good. Wow, um, Jake's. I don't know if Jake. I don't really like the Jake's that much anymore. I feel like Jake's is like casually the best one, but then like when you really start eating Jake's, I don't. I don't. I don't think the sandwiches travel very well. Huh, interesting. I think the, the one time that we got Indian food was really good, actually. Chutney? Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty good. I've heard. I wasn't there. Um, wait, so when did you stop eating meat? Probably three, four months ago. Yeah. So uh, full vegetarian? Or are you still doing fish? I'm definitely cheating here and there. Oh, that barely counts. I'm eating less than 5% meat in my That's diet. really good, though. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> That's a flexitarian diet, technically. Yeah, it's same as your girlfriend, so you can't say anything about that. That's not true. She's a full vegetarian. Minus fish. Full pescatarian. That's a flexitarian. No, flexitarian. No, it's not. It's pescatarian. <laughs> so, you probably sat next to a ton of people here. Uh, who's your favorite person to sit next to? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I really wonder if, if I say anybody, if that person is going to be like, no, see, I was the worst person in the sip side. Um, Entertainment-wise... I would actually say that listening to Peter on calls is really awesome, and uh, whoever gets to uh, get a, gets a chance to just listen to Peter on the call is uh, is is really cool. Blew my mind when I first uh, started working here, like uh, his ability to do that. I, I was on the call with him once, and the dashboards were completely broken and down, and he, he was troubleshooting it in GChat at the time, while like while still like buttering up the client and the client. I had absolutely no idea what was going on, and it was like it's like a five-minute-long conversation we had, and it wasn't like a, we're just going to get to the dashboards in a second. It was like this fully engaged, crazy conversation yep. as he loaded in the background and seamlessly tra- trans- transferred over to it. I would have just hung up or been like, "Hey, like honestly, like 
something like we have the issue here, I'm just going to work it out, but no, didn't even need to do it. It's, it was insane. Yeah, definitely a chimp on the phone. Yeah. So what is something that you never thought you would do uh, that you did end up doing here? Hmm, it's interesting. Um, well, to be very honest, I never thought about leading a team initially. Yeah. So that was kind of a, a pretty big jump, but at the same time, a huge opportunity, huge learning experience. That was really good. Um, other things, um, never expected to go to a conference. Did that really fun. At the same time, learning a lot of salesmanship over there. Um, so a lot of first things. Um, even just thinking about potentially starting a add value add consulting type business never thought we were going we to be doing that we're always a product team first like a lot of small things like that so yeah what about flipping around what's something that you thought you'd do that you never or rarely rarely did here hmm that's interesting um I really wanted to um, visit a lot of clients. I guess we never really got into a program where we would consistently visit clients. Um, I feel like uh, we, we mostly interact with them uh, on a, at a phone basis. Um, again, I think that's a product first driven strategy. Um, until very recently, we didn't have like a strategic or enterprise level account management program. So mm -hmm. um, I really wish that we had more time face to face with some of our clients. I think that would have built pretty strong relationships. So. Yeah, my limited experience face to face clients is like super valuable. But, you know, logistics is very confusing. Yeah, it's very high cost, though. So, um, and we're not in, like, a New York or SF where most of our clients are in the same city, so. We got, there's a ton of Philly clients, though. More so, and more. Pretty yeah. impressive. All right. Uh, would you describe yourself as a nerd? Definitely. Um, nerd for technology. Nerd for, uh, I, would, I would say, just, like, films. Um, even some books. I don't know. Like, what's what about you? What's, what's a nerd to you? What the hell's a nerd? Yeah, I'm. Uh, you know, anybody that has a, attention to detail with some specific thing, generally a hobby. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I have attention to detail for for too many things, but I definitely have a, a hobby on and a very specific hobby. So I'm definitely a nerd for mountain biking too. So, how many bikes do you have? I only have two bikes right now, and uh, one's a mountain, one's a road, so that covers everything. That's all you need. That's all I need. Hmm. No hipster bikes yet. Yeah. Why not? Uh, I haven't approved of uh, of uh, the hipster in me yet. Yeah, uh, you said you're drinking hipster beer though. Yeah, it's just one small step for 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 me. It's Goose Island for those of you that are listening along. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna gonna ask it again. What what's next? Seriously, like I know you have a plan. I definitely have a plan. Um, it's a it's like a eleven point plan. Um, on it, I don't remember everything, but it's definitely gonna be. Learn the piano. For those of you, I don't, I don't play any instruments. I'm going to learn the piano, which means I have to learn music. And then um, probably meditate, probably uh, try to pick up some Tai Chi, try to do more yoga, try to read the 60 books that I have on my table. Half of them are biographies, half of them are like self-help, um, business-related, um, with some novels here and there, fictional and non-fiction. So a lot a lot to do this to, in, the, in the spare time. Hmm. All right, um, so for those of you who don't know, uh, my friends and I have been doing a weekly softball game uh, for the past probably about 10 years, and five years ago I started a podcast on it. It's a weekly recap, and it's an interview show with my friends. Um, so, Sia, are you coming this year? Absolutely. I can't yeah. wait till the first game. Yeah, I can't wait either. And Yeah, for those of you listening along, uh, you know, new episode of Softball Diaries. Search for it on iTunes, Softball Diaries. 
Um, so before I ask you the, the questions that I'm going to ask everybody, um, what, what do you think Philadelphia needs? Philadelphia needs what? Hmm, that's a really good question. Um, need would imply that it cannot survive without it. And I feel like we do a pretty damn good job of surviving here. It's an extremely literal interpretation of the question, but you are technically correct. So Should have. I would say that it doesn't need much. What it could use, uh, I would say, is friendlier drivers to bikers. Because I've been hit a couple of times already by cars, and I was in a bike lane. Yeah, but Philadelphia's ahead of a lot of cities when it comes to the bike lanes, though, right? Yeah, driver's not always respecting Have of that. Have you ever driven next to a biker? It's annoying. It's definitely annoying, but you try to be patient, because you know what? They're the ones saving the earth, and you're not. Wow. But if you're driving a Prius? Uh, you're still using energy. Huh. But I guess you can argue that as a human being, you still take energy to feed yourself. So. Yeah, and bikes, I mean, with the maintenance and buying tires and things like that, greasing up the wheels, like, you know, it's not uh, like it's, you're doing It's, it's no worse than cars. It's worse than cars. So much worse than cars. All right, so I'm going to ask you the two questions that I ask all of my guests on Softball Diaries. Uh, the first is, what would be the uh, Seattle dog? What I mean by that, what would be like your custom hot dog, like, you know, a themed hot dog at a ballpark? What would be on it to make it your own? So I thought a lot about that, actually. Uh, th- to be fully transparent, Alex did share that question with me. I've been sharing those questions before. Uh, and uh, and t- I dreamed about it. I, dr- I really dreamed about this. And I think it would start with a baguette-type bun, where it's a little bit more crusty. Uh, so think about like a Vietnamese sandwich type of crusty. And then a pretty, since I'm not eating meat, it will probably be a veggie dog inside. Um, and add to that a little bit of cheese custard, cheese curds, sorry, cheese curds uh, with some gravy, probably similar to a poutine gravy. And hot sauce, a lot of sriracha on it. And that would be pretty good. Maybe some cilantro. Hmm. Central would be pretty good. Honestly, one of the best answers to that question I've ever gotten. That was like, that is the Seattle dog. It, it combines, you know, all, all your, your history into one uh, delectable snack. All right. Uh, and I always ask people, uh, what would their walk-up music be? You know, it's like, a, what, what song would play as you're in the batter's box about to, like, you know, do a, like, a, like sw- swing a bat in terms of uh, uh, pump you up, intimidate the other team? set the tone for that at bat right so while i'm eating the cell dog and the gravy is dripping all over uh all over me and uh i'll probably be listening to some eminem song um makes sense maybe maybe love the way you lie uh or something like that yeah do you want to spit some bars on the melody I, maybe i actually don't know any words the most that i know of any song is three words if anybody has listened to me singing the old office i know three words of a lot of songs but i don't know any songs yeah <laughs> So right. it'll probably end up, I love the way you lie, and that's pretty much it. That's beautiful. Uh, yeah, all right, so thanks so much for doing this. Um, I learned uh, a lot more about you than I had in two years, which is pretty insane. Thanks for opening up. Uh, and I will I'll close it with the question that uh, Bob and Jacob have been asking, which is, uh, who should I interview next, or who should be on the RJ Buddy Time podcast next? Hmm, that's interesting. That, that would come down to, uh, who the hell do I not know at this company? Hmm... Who do I not know well here? Uh, I would go ahead and p- 
pick uh, Matt Bilyeu. I wish I knew Matt a lot better. Yeah, Man yeah. of Mystery, hilarious, best Twitter feed. That's that's right. He's he is hilarious on uh, a lot of channels. Great pick. All right, thanks a lot, Scott. I really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. And until next time. Just gonna stand there and watch me burn. Well, that's alright because I like the way it hurts. Just gonna stand there and hear me cry. Well, that's alright because I love the way you lie. I love the way you lie. I can't tell you what it really is. I can only tell you.